This podcast is brought to you by The Province. Listening to Keyboard Kimura, the official mixed martial arts podcast of the province. Here are your hosts, Paul Chapman and E. Spencer Kite. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Keyboard Kimura podcast here on Province Sports Radio. I'm your host, E. Spencer Kite, joined this week, or joined today, I should say, by my usual partner in crime, Patrick Shiviklinski, as we look ahead, sort of a half hour quick hitter compressed edition of the Keyboard Kimura podcast, looking ahead to Sunday's UFC debut in Zagreb, Croatia. Patty, good to have you back. How are things? Thanks a lot. Yeah, everything's going great. Um, Since we're doing a little quick hit edition, I'm going to take a lot less breaths and talk a lot faster. (laughs) Yeah, we just, we figured obviously earlier in the week, had the pleasure of having John Gooden on the show. He will be over in Croatia doing the backstage work, as he mentioned on the podcast earlier in the week. But we wanted to just kind of get together real quick, do a little bit of talking about the the two main heavyweight fights on the card, look ahead to maybe one fight, one prospect that we each are, are kind of looking out for and looking forward to seeing as we kick back with a cup of coffee and a bagel on Sunday morning watching this event as it takes place. Kicks off uh, at 7.30 Pacific time here on the West Coast. So a nice Sunday morning of face punching and breakfast, always a favorite of mine. Uh, hang out on the couch with the dog and just watch some some UFC action. So we will get right to it. The main event for this show, obviously an important heavyweight contest between Big Ben Rothwell and former champion Junior Dos Santos. This is a fight we sort of talked about it in general in the past, about the division as a whole moving forward and, and where everybody's at. Really important fight for both guys, maybe for different reasons. Um, how do you see this breaking down? Who do you like going into this? Yeah, I mean, um, first of all, I think that, you know, it, 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 like you said, it is an important fight for both these guys for very different reasons. Um, you know, Rothwell is right now riding a four-fight win streak and, you know, um, trying to get to that next level. For Junior, this is, um, you know, make it, you know, make it or break it time right now for him. Uh, coming off that lost Alistair Overeem in December, you know, um, he's got something to prove. Um, as far as, you know, who I'm taking in this fight, um, I, I kind of went back and forth on this one uh, for a bit because I can see, you know, um, how Junior could get in there with that hungry mentality. Uh, he knows what's at stake here in Zagreb, and he knows that this is a fight that, He'll need to win if he ever wants to be, you know, not ever wants to be, but if he wants to be in contention anytime soon, I think. Um, so I kind of went back and forth. I'm picking Ben Rothwell, um, you know, on the strength of, you know, how he's looked in his recent bouts. You know, um, he's come out there and, and turned a lot of heads and proved a lot of people wrong. So um, I'm excited to see what Ben does out there. But uh, I'm curious to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, my thoughts are pretty similar. I mean, it's crazy to me that at this point of things where we're talking about Junior Dos Santos sort of being at, at the crossroads of his career when, 
when even very recently he was, you know, it was only two years ago that he beat Stipe Miocic. Yes, it was a close fight. Yes, it was sort of a, a contested decision. A lot of people felt like Stipe deserved the nod in that fight, but it's still a close fight with a guy that's challenging for the title here next month. It's crazy to think that Junior Dos Santos is at a point where maybe if he loses this, we're kind of talking about a guy that's now going to be out of the title picture and is going to be maybe on the downside of his career um, or need some time off or whatever it may be to get back into it because he looked for so long like a guy that was going to be right at the very top of this division alongside Cain Velasquez. But that's kind of where he feels. And so it makes for such a cool matchup because Ben Rothwell is kind of the complete opposite end of the spectrum. A guy that has been around for a long time. We kind of felt like we knew what we had in him in that he was a talented kind of journeyman guy. Been through some big fights. Hadn't ever really won the big one. And then all of a sudden, you know, you go back to that event in his backyard in in Milwaukee where he kind of does the techno Viking in the third round against Brandon Vera. Gets a victory there goes through the nine-month suspension for elevated levels of TRT, or of of testosterone, sorry, while he was on TRT treatment. Um, Something that Ben Rothwell has been on for a long period of his life. Um, And if you go back and and find Jeremy Botter's very good piece on Ben in advance of his last fight, I believe, or maybe even two fights back, explaining some of the history of, of Ben Rothwell and things he's been through to get him to this point. To now have Ben be the guy that's on the best winning streak in the division outside of, say, the champion Fabricio Verdum and a guy that appears to be sort of on that upward trajectory, even at 34, 35 years old, seems crazy. But I'm in the same camp as you that I think this is a fight that Ben Rothwell wins. Um, I think Junior Dos Santos has taken a lot of damage over the years. I'm not sure that he's got anything left in terms of being able to to sustain that. He looked very tentative against Alistair Overeem. Um, for a guy that used to come out and throw hands and, and kind of be pretty brazen about it and that he would walk you down and just look to bomb, he kind of sat back and, and was very hesitant in there with Overeem. A guy that historically, if you land that good clean shot, that tends to be the end of the night. Ben Rothwell did it to him not that long ago. And so I think this is a fight that we see Ben Rothwell continue his march. I don't know if it ends up getting him a title shot, but I think it brings him one step closer and, and leaves us on Monday morning or even Sunday afternoon wondering what the hell comes next for Junior Dos Santos. Yeah, and it's just crazy to think that, you know, uh, like you were saying, I mean, just a couple of years ago, you look back, before 166, before that third fight with Kane, I mean, we were talking about this guy, you know, being one of the heavyweight greats. And, you know, in my mind, he's he's accomplished so much in his UFC career already that, you know, he, he's definitely one of those um, guys who I consider one of the heavyweight greats. But, you know, he hasn't been the same since that 166 fight. I mean, you know, he can he can definitely dispute that all he likes. But we have seen, like you were saying, a more tentative version of uh, Junior DeSantos, especially in that Overeem fight. And we saw shades of it in the Miocic fight where he was a little, you know, hesitant to engage as much, um, you know, obviously ended up winning the fight and, and did a good job. But, you know, I, I think that fight with Kane just really did something to him more 
than, you know, uh, sort of beat him up physically, which let's be honest, Kane did in pretty nasty fashion in that fight. You know, that was, that was that fight where everyone was saying somebody should throw the towel in for junior because this guy is too tough for his own good, you know? Right. And, and maybe he has an Andre Arlovsky sort of turnaround in him a couple of years from now. I know he's been bouncing around camp, sort of trying to find that right fit. He's at American top team for this camp. As John and I discussed on Monday, he has brought his longtime boxing coach and his head coach, Professor Luis Doria, with him for that. So maybe it's just a matter of getting acclimated to a new gym and sort of getting a new lease on life. But Ben Rothwell isn't the guy that I would want to be facing as I'm sort of trying to go through all of that and figure all of that out. So I think the Dark Lord Ben Rothwell gets another victory, <laughs> continues moving forward. In this division that as I wrote about, people will hear this on Friday, wrote a column for Friday's paper, um, just talking about this division as a whole and it being sort of the deepest and, and richest collection of talent at the top that we've had in a while, a lot of it being new. Um, co-main event of this fight, not necessarily a guy that's at the top of the division, but somebody that's starting to work his way up, and that's the Black Beast, Derek Lewis taking on former title challenger and, and sort of perennial gatekeeper Gabriel Gonzaga in another fight that obviously has divisional implications, um, maybe not as much at stake and as many questions about where guys go coming into and, and going out of this fight. But Derek Lewis has to be a guy that you've been impressed with, especially over his last couple of fights. 100%. Yeah, I mean, Derek Lewis um, has, has definitely looked great in his, you know, uh, most recent wins over Damian Grabowski and Victor Pesta. Um, you know, he's he's one of those guys that, like you said, I mean, he's he's one to watch in that division. Um, such a just, I mean, Black Beast sums it up. I mean, he's just such a powerful guy. Um, you know, can can end fights very very quickly. Um, you know, I'm definitely excited to see what he can do against uh, Gabriel Gonzaga. You know, Gonzaga is an interesting guy as well because. Like you said, he's he's taken more of a gatekeeper status uh, in in recent years, and you know we've seen him um, fight against some big names and come up short. You know, Stipe Miocic, and and he had the fight with Krokop. You know, recently um, that you know he was winning the fight and then he lost the fight. Uh, he's one of those guys that you know I I, I don't think you can count out um, just yet. You know, I mean he's he's getting up there in age and his MMA mileage is up there, but. You know, he has, you know, some dangerous skills, you know, um, standing up. But a lot of people, you know, forget how great he is on the ground because he doesn't get to show it as often these days. This is a guy who, you know, um, choked out Ben Rothwell with a guillotine choke uh, back in 2013. I mean, you know, he is still a a very dangerous guy and uh, someone who, you know, Derek Lewis will have to, you know, um, put away quickly, I think, if he... Uh, wants to win this fight um, because I I think the longer this fight goes on, I do think that it'll play to Gonzaga's favor a little more. Um, you know, Derek Lewis is a big heavyweight, massive guy, um, and you know if he can't get that quick knockout, you know I'm worried if he'll he'll get tired and um, you know uh, going into those later rounds. It's funny I got the chance to talk to Derek uh, late last week before he headed over to Croatia. The story is up on Keyboard Kamora now. If you want to check it out, 
he sort of talked about Gabe Gonzaga being that guy that has, if you look at his resume, he's struggled whenever he's faced kind of that marquee talent outside of his initial Crow Cop win that sort of came out of nowhere and surprised everyone, um, which is why it's still in the top five of, of greatest upsets in UFC history. He then, of course, laughed and said, you could say the same thing about me, but it's just been bad luck in my case, and for him it's about talent, and I think he's on the downswing. Um, a very funny guy, Derek Lewis, a very talented guy as well. I've been at his last two fights live. His power is, we talk all the time in this sport about, you know, knockout power and true power and one-shot power. His is that rare, crazy, end-your-night, even if it doesn't land flush kind of power. Um, he spent two rounds getting kind of taken down and, and held down against Victor Pesta in his hometown of Houston and then came back in that third round and just put it on him to get the finish. Um, looked phenomenal against Damian Grabowski last time out. I think this is another one of those fights where we see that guy that's ascending continue to ascend. I agree with you a little bit that the longer this goes, it can be dangerous just because Gonzaga is a savvy vet. He's wily enough to kind of grind this out and keep Derek Lewis on the ground or pinned up against the fence if he gets those opportunities. I just don't think he gets those opportunities because we've seen Gabe Gonzaga get in there. As you said, we forget about his ground game because he's become so keen on just going out there and trading with guys, which is a bad idea to me against someone with the power like Derek Lewis. I know I've got your punch punch drunk predictions. I haven't read through them yet. They will be up on Saturday so people can get the full scoop. But give me the quick version of what people will read on Saturday of how you see this playing out. Yeah, I mean, the quick version is the Black Beast runs right through Gabriel Gonzaga's face in about three minutes, I think. Um, you know, I, I just think that, um, you know, Derek is on an upward, you know, trajectory in his career, and, and he's been you know, showing out really well in his last few fights. And I think that, uh, you know, coming out, he sees how big of an opportunity this is against Gabriel Gonzaga, because it is. I mean, Gonzaga is one of those heavyweights that, you know, um, being a guy who's, you know, a sort of a fringe, you know, top 10 kind of guy, uh, you, you need a win over someone like a Gabriel Gonzaga to really, you know, make a name for yourself. You know, um, he doesn't have a signature name on his resume just yet. Um, I think this is his opportunity to go out and, and, you know, prove himself in pretty devastating fashion. If he can do that, um, then I think it, you know, boosts his stock and it gets him a matchup against the top 10 heavyweight. So this is a pretty full card with loaded with a lot of European talent, a lot of names that people maybe aren't familiar with. So we're not going to run through every fight on the card and, and sort of break everything down. But rather than just sort of call it quits here, we wanted to talk about a couple of fights or a couple of fighters that each of us are looking forward to seeing on Saturday that we've sort of got our eye out for. We want to see more of who is it or what is the fight that you're looking forward to outside of those those final two fights that we already talked about when the action jumps off on Sunday in, in Zagreb. Yeah, I think the one that I'm looking for forward to most the return of Jan Blakovich um against Igor Pokryak um that's one of those fights where I just think it's a you know it's a good opportunity for Blakovich to get back out there and um you know um 
put on a great performance because, you know, in my opinion, I mean, Pukryak is, you know, one of those guys who was in the UFC, but um, he would not be on a UFC card if it wasn't in Zagreb, <laughs> Croatia. Let's be honest. Um, you know, his last five fights in the UFC, I believe he lost. He had one no contest. It was an overturned loss against Joey Beltran. But, um, you know, this guy, I don't know if he's UFC caliber right now. His last few fights have been in places like Montenegro and Slovenia. Um, all due respect to the guys there. But, I mean, Blakovich has been going against guys like Corey Anderson and Jimmy Manua. Um, you know, those those are losses on his resume, but um, I still think, you know, Blakovich is a couple tiers up from from Pokryak. And I think this is just a great opportunity for him to come out um, in Zagreb and, and put on a great performance, because I do think that he is, you know, a, a talented light heavyweight. Um, you know, he's he's had, uh, you know, some tough opponents in his last couple fights. But, you know, his UFC debut against Ilir Latifi is something that, you know, comes to mind in Stockholm. Um, you know, that was a that was a great uh, fight for Blakovich. And I do think that he's, you know, still a very talented veteran coming out of the KSW system. Um, I think this is just a, a great opportunity for him to uh, get back, you know, on that light heavyweight ladder and, and, you know, piece up a guy who is, you know, probably not UFC caliber at this point in his career. And you're never going to shy away from picking a Polish fighter when you get the opportunity. <laughs> never, ever. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 inter- all <laughs> it's interesting. I agree with a lot of what you said about both Blakovich and Igor Pokry. It's This very much feels like a, hey, we're coming to your country. Let's get you back in here. Yes, he has won his three fights since being released from the UFC. Um, but as you said, not necessarily against the greatest competition or in sort of major organizations. Um, John and I sort of touched on Jan Blakovich as well a little bit earlier in the week, saying a lot of the same things you said, a guy that if you look back at his career fighting in KSW, beat a lot of familiar names, Sokaju, Mario Miranda, Goran Reljic, had that great performance in his debut against Elir Latifi, who is a guy that, you know, for all the sort of fun we have on social media about the sledgehammer, um, a guy that, you know, jumped into the UFC on short notice, was a training partner of Alex Gustafson, and then goes in and debuts against Gegard Mousasi. Mousasi and Blakovich are the only losses he has. He's proven himself to be a very capable middle-of-the-pack light heavyweight fighter, um, rattled off three straight wins here coming out of UFC 196. So definitely Blakovich is a guy that I think we can see more of. I think we will see it this weekend. I definitely like that pick. I think he's a guy that, you know, a year from now, maybe we're looking at him as somebody that is is kind of back in the mix in a division that, let's be honest, needs new blood, needs guys to work their way up, and and needs sort of more people than kind of these former champion fading veterans that we that we see these days. The guy for me, speaking of divisions that, you know, are always in need of of new blood and and young talent, this is a heavyweight card, so I am focusing on a heavyweight. Marcin Sibura, another Polish fighter, so I'm sure you're happy about that. 13 and 1 in his career. Um <laughs> Always, yeah. Dominant under the M1 banner for a very long time. Does have a loss in there, two fights back against Stefan Putz, who is one of the better light heavyweight 
um, and heavyweight prospects outside of the UFC. I think this is an opportunity. I don't know that it's necessarily a, a fight that Tabura is absolutely going to win. He is taking on Timothy Johnson and his beautiful mustache. Um, Tim Johnson is a guy that I think, you know, this this to me is a very good first fight for Tabura because Tim Johnson is sort of that kind of grinding, grueling wrestler that you got to get through initially for me to have any kind of faith that you can do something in this division. Yeah. Um, a lot of Tabura's performances have been finishes. He split them evenly between KOs and submit and submissions. So I think he'll be the more well-rounded of the two. Um, he's a little bit younger, but we always see those. We often see those struggles of European fighters against big American wrestlers. And Tim Johnson is a big, burly American wrestler. And so I want to see if the M1 champ yeah, can come. about as American as you can get. He, yeah, I mean, it's a combination <laughs> of super troopers and like, <laughs> you know, just just Paul Bunyan mixed with. He's actually a really good dude. I mean, I've had a chance to talk to him a couple of times and we joked about the mustache and he wanted to grow a full-on great big beard, but his wife hates it. But I think this is one of those fights where we get a real quick opportunity to find out if Tibura is a guy that, you know, while he was fighting in M1, we sort of talked about, oh, it would be great to see him come over. And when the UFC did their debut in Poland, he was one of those guys that we were like, man, it would be great if he wasn't under contract. But he was. But you look at his resume and, and a name that we already mentioned on this show, Damien Grabowski jumps jumps off at you. Tibura submitted him in 90 seconds um, before he got the opportunity to move to the UFC and, and get beat up by Derek Lewis last time out. So I'm really curious to see if if he can be a guy that joins this sort of small group of new new blood in the heavyweight division moving forward as we hit this period where the division is is flush with talent for the first time in a while. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you know, there there is a bunch of hype on this guy. You know, I sometimes talk to uh, guys in Poland, uh, uh, you know, to see who are the you know hot prospects out coming out of the country and and there is there is a bunch of hype around uh Marcin Tibora you know he's one of those guys who people have been talking about for a while in that country and I think it's great that he's finally getting his opportunities like you said I mean savvy M1 veteran um but yeah it, it like like you like you also said I mean it's one of those things where we've seen a lot of these European fighters come over um and, and fight guys you know, with UFC experience, because, you know, Timothy Johnson doesn't have, you know, a lot of UFC experience, but he's, you know, he's got two fights in and, uh, you know, that sort of, you know, octagon jitters or whatever it is, that's sort of out of the window for him. Well, and, yeah, uh, and you it, know, it, it's two more fights than Tybora has. And that's sort of one of those things that, <laughs> yeah, that we don't necessarily talk about enough and we don't necessarily factor in enough on paper. This probably should be a fight that, the March in Tibera wins, but who knows? We will find out on Sunday. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I think that it's it's a great opportunity for him, but you know, it's one of those that, you know, he has to be cautious about and understand that, you know, Johnson, like you were saying, is is a wrestler and, and he's gonna be, you know, not looking to stand and engage, I don't think, too much. He's going to be trying to get that takedown. He's going to try to make this an ugly, grueling fight. And uh, that's something that, you know, Tabora's going to have to deal with. There are a few other people on this on this card, and, and not that we'll go into detail about them, but just a couple others 
to heads up, I wrote a piece for UFC.com talking about a few of them. Francis Ngannou, um, another heavyweight, another new heavyweight taking on a debut in Curtis Blades. Uh, Marina Morose, everybody will remember from her debut in Poland, uh, defeating Joanne Calderwood by armbar very quickly, and then having the brass ones to jump on top of the cage and, and call out Joanna Champion to her face. Uh, that sort of went south for her in Saskatoon last summer, a point that Joanna Janjacek very much enjoys and brings up whenever you ask her about it. Um, and I mean, another guy for me is just Marbuk Tysimov, who I think is is one of those emerging young fighters from, you know, the, the Caucasus region, um, alongside guys like Zubara Tukagov and Albert Tumanov that are just a pleasure to watch and have so much upside that, but make cards like this worth getting up Sunday morning for worth cracking on. I guess this one's on, on Fox sports one in the States and on TSN here, but cracking on fight pass for the prelims and, and kicking back as we said off the top with a cup of coffee. But before we go, before we get out of here and, and sign off, I know you had a chance to talk to Ben Rothwell, as we mentioned, let the good folks know when that story will be out and, and in general where they can find your work and everything that we'll be doing this weekend. Yeah. So, um, as you said, you know, talk to, talk to big Ben, um, just, uh, earlier this week and that story should be, uh, in the province in print on Sunday as well as online. Um, so you can, uh, follow me on Twitter at Pat Truklinski, P-A-T-C-W-I-K, L-I-N-S-K-I, and I'll definitely uh, flood your feed with links because uh, that's what I do. Um, shameless. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we got some other things coming down the pipe. As always, we got Punch Drunk Predictions uh, Saturday for, you know, the Keyboard Kimura blog. Uh, I got, you know, some things in store for the Keyboard Kimura blog coming up next week. Um, I'll, I'll put that on ice a little bit until the next show and, uh, you know, talk about what's coming up, but, uh, yeah, as, uh, as, as we were saying, you know, definitely predictions are coming up and, uh, I mean, your dog likes it, so it's great. Yeah. As, (laughs) as my dog makes his first appearance on the podcast in a long, long time, um, as you mentioned, I mean, Rothwell piece in print and online on Sunday in time for people to check it out before the fights, before he jumps in the cage with Junior Dos Santos. A bunch of stuff coming next week for the UFC on Fox card in Tampa. As always, we will be back here on the podcast, hopefully a couple of times next week, doing these little more condensed versions, talking about what happened in Croatia, previewing what's going to happen and what's coming up in Tampa, and any crazy news that happens in the world of MMA, as it always does. Like Patrick, shameless self-promotion moment. You know where to follow me and get all your all my all my stuff flooding your timeline at Spencer Kite on Twitter. For the first time in three weeks, it feels very nice to say this. Thank you for listening. Thank you for checking us out. And enjoy the fights this weekend. You've been listening to Keyboard Kimura, the official mixed martial arts podcast of the province. Read the Keyboard Kimura blog on theprovince.com, follow them on Twitter at Keyboard Kimura, or visit them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Kimura. Kimura.